0: A shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young shall lie down together. And the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp. And the weaned child shall put its hand on the adder's den. They will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. On that day, The root of Jesse shall stand as a signal to the peoples. The nations shall inquire of him, and his dwelling shall be glorious. This is the word of God for the people of God. Isaiah begins this section of his prophetic writings with this stunning visual image of a fresh green sprout coming out of a stump. Because Isaiah wants people to hear what he's saying as he is proclaiming that with God, what looks dead can produce life. My daughter has a couple of beautiful Bradford pear trees in her backyard. Well, she used to have two. Now she only has one. Because a few months ago, one of those wonderful windstorms of Oklahoma came sweeping down the plain and knocked half the tree into her neighbor's yard. The arborist came out and gave a look. They said the best thing is just to cut it down. So they cut away the dead limbs. They cut down the part of the tree still standing. And within a few days, you could see the stump turning brown and gray. But then a few weeks later, I was over there and looked out the back window. And guess what I saw? A fresh sprout, a fresh branch growing out of the stump. They trimmed those off as well. I was back a few days later. More sprouts coming up. More branches growing out of an old, what looked like dead stump. There was more life in the stump than any of us would have imagined. Isaiah sees more than what his people can see. And he's wanting to encourage them in this time of difficulty and strife and conflict when they're surrounded by foreign oppressors, armies pressing toward them that would like to take over their country and rule them as a people. And Isaiah sees a brighter day, despite all that's going on. He says that God can get us through. It may not look like what we expected, but God will bring us through. Six months ago, I preached a sermon on the power of prayer. And as part of that sermon, remember perhaps that I told you this story about Bob, who was a new Christian, and he had a mentor, and he was encouraging him to read Scripture. And one day he was reading Scripture, and he ran across this passage that said something about God answering prayer. If we prayed, he couldn't believe it. He went and talked to this mentor of his and said, Now, what is that? And his mentor said, Well, it's not a blank check. But if you're praying in the Spirit, within the will of God, God answers prayers. And then Bob said, well, I better start praying. And his mentor said, I'll tell you what, if you'll choose just one thing and pray about it every day for six months, I'll bet you something remarkable happens. And sure enough, he had to pray for a while with nothing happening, but he persisted. And then one thing after another began to happen. Remember, he was praying for the country of Kenya. And it ended up that he was able to do a whole variety of things for an orphanage, for orphan children in Kenya as a result of his prayer over those six months. At the end of that sermon, I invited any of you all who would be interested in working more on your prayer life to take this six-month prayer challenge, to choose one or two things and really focus on them and pray for them every day and see if God might not do something remarkable in your life. I promised those who were there that day that I would get back with them in six months, that I would tell them the stories and share the experiences of those who were in that six-month prayer challenge back with you all to let you know what had happened. So a few weeks ago, I wrote to that group and told them the six months was about up and asked them if they had anything to share. Lots of remarkable stories that they have shared with me that I'll be sharing with you over the next several weeks. But one theme that emerged that I want to share with you this morning is that they said they could discern God's activity more clearly in their lives. Whether or not their prayer had been answered, they could discern God at work more clearly in their own lives. Several of them wrote that they simply had a deeper and more profound sense of God's presence being with them as they went through their daily lives. But I want to read to you what a few of them wrote. One commented, My own relationship with God has deepened in the last six months, in part because of the prayer challenge you directed us to pray for one thing in particular and while that one thing wasn't my own relationship with Christ it has definitely grown I often whisper reveal thyself in my meditations or abide with me or I repeat the Jesus prayer over and over Lord Jesus Christ have mercy on me it dawned on me a few weeks ago That I, in fact, do feel God's presence more than before. God has sent the Comforter in a way that I have not previously experienced. Another wrote, My first thought was that I really don't have anything to report back. But upon further reflection, over the past few days, I've come to realize that something did happen. Just not in the way I expected. Or this one. The prayer was answered in an entirely different way than I thought. I think God's answer was better than what I was praying for as a result. Now notice with me how these testimonies parallel Isaiah's experience all those hundreds and thousands of years ago. Isaiah describes this vivid portrait of how this new work of God that is sprouting will look very different than what we would expect. He begins to describe a vision that is radical in terms of what we expect. Let me just read you a portion of that out of verse 6. He says, "...the wolf shall live with the lamb." The leopards shall lie down with the kid, the calf and the lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. Isaiah, in the midst of conflict and division, has a vision from God of harmony and of peace. He describes it in terms of the animal kingdom and how all these animals will live together in harmony. But then he goes even further than that and says, rather than military men of might deciding the fates of the people, that a little child will lead them. That God is going to use a person, that God is going to send a person to bring the divine will to the world. Of course, the early church as they begin to reflect upon their experience with Jesus, begin to see Isaiah's visions as prophesying the coming of Jesus of Nazareth. That he's the one that God is at work through bringing this vision to pass. And of course, that's why when we begin to order readings throughout the year, That during Advent, this first season of the church year, we choose these visions, these prophecies from Isaiah because they begin to describe for us what to look for in the Messiah. And it is a different kind of Savior than we look for in the world. Isaiah describes this one that is coming like this. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest on him. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear or the respect or the awe of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide by by what his ears hear, but with righteousness He shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. Isaiah sees one coming that's going to have a deeper ability to discern, that's going to bring more wisdom to bear, that's going to treat all people equally, poor or rich, in favor with the ruler or not. This one coming will judge and bring wisdom in a deeper way I just imagine those earliest followers of Christ after his crucifixion and resurrection trying to make sense of all that they begin to remember what he said and they hear the echoes of Isaiah's vision remember that place where Jesus preaches it's known as the Sermon on the Mount you can find Within that, something we usually call the blessings or the Beatitudes. You can read them in Matthew 5. I want to read them to you. See if you do not hear echoes of Isaiah's visions in this. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Could you hear it? Jesus is using the same vocabulary about righteousness for the poor and the meek describing that the peacemakers are the ones who are the children of God. In other words, that God is at work creating peace in the world. Or maybe you remember that other passage. This one comes from Luke in chapter 4. He's describing Jesus' first public appearance in terms of his ministry. Remember Luke says he goes back to his hometown, to Nazareth. He's in the synagogue, and they hand him a scroll to read. Do you remember which one they handed him? It's Isaiah. And Jesus reads these words. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus sees his own calling in terms of these prophetic visions from Isaiah. Isaiah says, God shall do this. And Jesus says, God is doing this now. During this season of Advent, we have an opportunity to reclaim that vision in our own time. Oh, when Jesus was reading, it was some 700 years later that he's taking those visions and giving them new life. And now here we are with our opportunity to reclaim these visions of God for peace and harmony among the people, believing in it even if we do not see it. How can we embrace and embody God's vision? It's a question for Advent as we prepare ourselves for the birth of this Christ child. How can we begin to embrace and embody God's vision? I thought of lots of different ways to illustrate that. But I had on my mind all these folks that had written me back about the prayer challenge. And I want to read to you a few more of their statements. Because a second theme began to emerge. For several of them, they had the experience of praying for healing or peace or hope for another. And it has not come yet. They have been praying, but they have not seen the result that they had hoped for. One wrote, I have been praying for one particular person and that our relationship will improve. That has not happened yet, but I continue to pray. Another wrote, well, I've not seen the results yet. I've been praying for in two areas. However, perhaps some prayers take longer to answer. I have faith that whatever the result, that it will occur at some point if I keep praying. My faith is firm that all prayers are answered in some way. Another person sent me this. I did not experience the result I wanted with my prayer commitment, but I felt comfort and guidance and believe God is at work in our lives. One more. The person wrote, My concentrated prayers have become part of my pattern of living. It's a habit I don't intend to break, regardless of whether the other person gets better or not. My own outlook has become more receptive to praying without ceasing. As I was reading through those, I thought that sounds just like Isaiah. He lives in the midst of strife and conflict, yet he perseveres in believing. That God is sending a grander vision. And he will continue to proclaim it until it comes. The very last verse of what we read. Isaiah is looking to the future and says on that day. And then in the very next verse again on that day. And he begins to describe what God is going to do. I begin to think how could we... Begin to embody and believe and persevere like Isaiah. I've put a couple of things in your outline. Just a couple of suggestions of next steps that we might take to help open this gift of peace. Pray daily that you'll experience and embody peace in your current circumstances. Despite circumstances... Isaiah began to believe that God was bringing peace and began to embody that. Maybe we could do the same. Or perhaps you could pray that God shows you how to offer forgiveness to another so that a way to peace is opened. So often when we're in conflict, we wait for the other. We think that someone else has to take the next step. But what as followers of Christ, believers that God is at work in our world, we were willing to take another step to open a way to peace or forgiveness. Isaiah says, on that day, on that day the root of Jesse shall stand as a signal to the peoples. What if we stood as a signal to the peoples in our day? Oh, it would be... A glorious day. Amen. And thanks be to God.